Hello and welcome to Seeing Red. I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. Welcome back everybody and welcome to Crikey, nearly the end of season seven. It's finally, finally our penultimate episode. Because I I actually um, said about six episodes ago, I said, oh, it's our penultimate episode. And you're like, nope, we've got another six to go. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Uh, So it's the season that just kept giving because it's uh, gone on for about 15 years. Uh, But we are nearly there and we will be taking a two week break, won't we? So there won't be an episode kind of mid-August. There's a couple of episodes uh, we, you know, where we won't release an episode, if that makes sense. A couple of weeks where we won't, <laughs> won't release an episode. Because we're coming into four years having done the show and season eight. Yeah. Which are just some big milestones. But you've got an even bigger milestone for this week, haven't you? I've got a fucking huge milestone because we have, in the last few days, we've hit four million downloads since we started the show. It's just amazing. Which is unreal. And I remember... I know we've said this a million times, but I remember when we when we started, we said if we if we just get one person that we don't know who listens to the show, it will be worth doing it and carrying on with it if they carry on listening to it. And um, I remember in the first day, I think we had over a hundred downloads or something like that, and it just grew and grew and grew, and it continues to grow. And I think there's a, about twenty twenty five thousand of you that listen every single week, um, which is just blows our minds. And across dozens of countries so uh it's an amazing milestone to have hit we're at four million as we said and we thought we would do something a bit different this week in the penultimate episode of season seven so we're doing a Q&A which historically we have periodically done them over on Patreon but I know that a lot of you want to know a bit more about us and a bit more about the show so we thought we would take your questions and answer them here on the main feed and I took yes. the, the questions off Instagram. So thank you to those that responded. We had dozens of questions come through. So we probably won't get through all of them today, but we've, um, we'll, we'll get through as many of them as we can. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, please do give us a follow over there. Before we get into the Q&A then, I would like to thank our new and returning Patreon supporters. I thought you could do it, Bethan, or I can do it. If you look at the names... I'd like you to do oh, it, please, I it, because yeah. I always do it and get things wrong, and then I embarrass myself, and I would like you That's to say fine. the thank yous instead. But thank you very much, Patreon supporters. You know that we are both very grateful. I just don't want to butcher anyone else's <laughs> name. <laughs> That's fine, I'll do it instead. So we have Anna Luberda... Aidan Prince, Kirsty Rodzak. This one, I'm not sure I believe this. It's C apostrophe Anne King. I'm not sure San is a name. Uh, Cian, I think Cian's a name. I'm not sure. Uh, we also have Helen Fabricius, and she's put in brackets rather helpfully that Fabricius is pronounced like fabulous and delicious, which I'd have actually guessed was the case anyway. We also have... Ne- so shouldn't it be like Fabricius then, if it's delicious? I think it's Fabricius. Fabricious. 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 Right, I've definitely fucked that up. Uh, we also have Nina Snoren. Sorry, Helen, she really tried as well to help I you know, out. I know, I'm still fucked it Sorry, up. Sorry, continue Nina, Nina. Snoren, Kate and Danielle P. Thank you to each and every one of you. Thank you to all of our existing Patreon supporters. It continues to grow. Your support continues to grow there. And it does, as I always say, it genuinely makes a massive difference for us. So if you are thinking about signing up to support us over there, we reward you with lots of bonus content. So do check it out. Where can they find us, Bethan? On patreon.com forward slash seeing red podcast. Is that actually correct? 
Yes, I don't. I didn't really listen, but it is. Yes. Uh, okay. So uh, this week, as I said, it's going to be a little bit different. We're doing the Q and A. Thank you to everybody who did submit questions. They're really varied, and we're, we're just going to like answer all of them and be really honest. I'm going to ask the first one then, because I wouldn't know the answer. So, um, and to be honest, neither do you. But I'm going to ask you. So Michelle Wildman said, "Did Tracy really love cock?" <laughs> Uh, so you say I don't know, I wouldn't know the answer to this, but I think I do know the answer to this because I know people that knew her back in the nineties before okay. she. So if for anyone who's not familiar with this case or what we're on about here, yes, uh, it's a bit of one of our classic one-liners, isn't it? Yes, this was from towards the end of season one. Uh, it was Tracy Andrews. She murdered her fiance Lee Harvey down a country lane in our church in Worcestershire back in nineteen ninety-six, I think it was, and. Um, it was a massive story. She uh, said that there'd been a victim of a road rage incident and some crazy guy had cut them up and then stabbed her fiancé in front of her. Um, and it was all a lie. She had actually stabbed Lee in a violent rage. It was a really brutal and bloody murder. And I lived not far from it at the time. So I do know people that n- knew of her. I know people that know people that knew her, stuff like that. So it's all a bit anecdotal. And I'm going to be careful what I say, because although Tracy killed Lee, I actually think, one, in this day and age, with an understanding of coercive control, we might have a different take on this. Tracy might not have served such a long sentence. It was allegedly quite an abusive relationship for both of them. So was she just acting in some kind of self-defense? I don't know. Um And she is, she is still a human being, and she's since been released she served her time and she started her life again so i don't want to like take the piss um but it was funny uh the episode some of it when i talked about that and i do know the answer to this so what i would say is if you want to know what i know just dm me and i'll tell you what i know uh she jesus w- christ right a five word question fuck you beth and you've just talked for half an hour <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. It's really interesting. I think the reason everyone picks up on that is because it was so shocking at the time. I genuinely think I spat my drink out in laughing because I wasn't expecting you to say it. I think it was a way I came out with it and said it as well. It was like the start of a sentence. It wasn't just an off-the-cuff remark. So, yeah, yeah, I I feel a bit differently about it now. I know, I mean, it is funny. We've got it on mugs and stuff, or we did have. And I know it is funny, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm a bit more empathetic now, even to people like her. So I don't know if I'd readily take the piss so much. But anyway... I've spent now 10 minutes answering that question. (laughs) My favourite thing with that phrase is the people who listen to our show called Tracy, who then say, I really need that. My like I need the mug to make make take a joke out of myself, so that's quite fair. Or we'll get like a husband get in touch and say, My wife's called Tracy and I'm getting <laughs> yeah. her this mug. So uh the legend lives on. Uh so Michelle Wildman also asked, What has been your favourite episode to cover, Bethan? Oh, do you know what? I have been trying to think and it is so difficult. It's really, really difficult to kind of make that decision. We've covered so many different cases. Um I genuinely think that, and it's hard as well because the word favourite almost makes me think I need to find something that I've, I thought was really nice and jolly and lighthearted and that's not the case at all. But when I covered the Stardust nightclub fire, that was off the back of someone getting in touch with us because they had a personal connection to the fire and somebody who was, or people who were within the fire and 
we and en- we ended up kind of talking for ages about that we we shared a lot like they shared a lot with me about certain circumstances and then since then we do we have had and we continue to have people get in touch who had because like we talked about at the time the fire took place in a nightclub and it was lots of young people and it rocked the local community everybody in the local area knew somebody or had a loved one that was caught up in that and people still to this day you know the the victims families were still campaigning and they were still campaigning for some sort of inquest and justice to kind of get people saying I'm glad you're still talking about that that's been really important yeah but it's so hard to choose my absolute favorite have you been able to choose a favorite I, no, I've not. Um, it's exactly the same reasons. I just wanted to say on that though, we, we do get people get in touch with us every few months still about that episode. It was our first ever three-parter. We released all of them in one go, but we, it was important for us to break them down so that we could tell the, so- the story in the right way. Obviously you did all of that. It was a, an amazing job. And yeah, we, we have just had like, really solid feedback around it that it was handled sensitively that it was accurate and lots of people have been in touch and continue to get in touch so I, I can see where you're coming from with that for me um yeah favorite it's a, it's a weird word I, I do get it though I think you're allowed to have a favorite I, I kind yeah, like, of like I like ones like the assassination of Kim Yong Nam so anything that's that a was bit, very interesting anything that's a bit off the wall uh, that I can really immerse myself in I suppose um my least favorite ones are definitely anything involving a child that's always incredibly difficult so do you remember Hakeem Hussein mm-hmm. uh that was a recent episode we did and that was you know delved into that that was a real toughie but yeah I quite like anything where I can where it's a bit more unusual, I suppose. So yeah, the the murder of the assassination of Kim Yong Nam would probably spring to mind. I think yeah. One of my favorite episodes that you covered, in like a very in like being a really silly sort of comment, is when you covered Tupac Shakur. Shakur, uh, yeah. I don't know how Shakur. you say his surname. Yeah. Tupac Shakur. Shakur, because um, made me Google him, not somebody I'd ever known about, and thought he was quite fit, and so that was enjoyable for me because I just looked at some Google images of a handsome man. Such a 90s look though, I think, it just I know, so 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting episode, and that was one I would never have covered, I knew nothing about yeah, uh, his murder. Yeah, such a, a yeah. different one for us. Yeah, it was different, and delved into it and, and learnt so much, so that was fascinating, yeah. That was off the back of the film, wasn't it? Sorry to it interrupt, was. but that was off the back of them releasing the film. So that was quite interesting that you covered it. Yeah, so. and al- also the assassination of Kim Yong Nam was off the back of the same distribution company getting in touch about a film about that. So interestingly, those two episodes, uh, yeah, I'd never have really covered those cases had they not got in touch with us. But yeah, fascinating, both of them. So Michelle Wildman also asks, could you ever live in a murder house? Yes, yeah, I, I could. could. I totally could. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Next. <laughs> no, but I just think like, I think some people be nervous about that. But I just think um, even if, because I do believe in spirits and stuff, yeah. I just want to just let those spirits know that like, I'm not there to do anything, any harm. I mean, it's just a house ultimately, in my opinion. It's things happen in houses and there's not really much you can do about that. It's not going to change the house. It's not like the ghost's killed somebody so i'd want to almost i'm not uh, like specifically religious but i have faith and i i don't know what i would do but i'd want to pull on something to almost exercise and sort of cleanse that house a little bit i'd find that quite important and i'd probably get someone like karen hillier 
uh, who's a listener of our show, long-time friend of the show, and uh, she would be able to help with something like that, wouldn't she? She um, she sent me some crystals before that have helped me, so I know not everybody's into that, but I love all that kind of stuff. So I'd have to do something like that to just give it a mm. fresh start, really. Um, yeah. So Michelle, she's only, she's only asked four questions. So <laughs> the final question she asked was, "What?" and um, we, we've had a similar one, so what unsolved crime still keeps you awake at night? For me, Debbie Lindsley, the murder of Debbie Lindsley, so that happened on a train bound for Victoria in London. It was a really brutal murder that happened, I think, in the late 80s or very early 90s. And then also the murder of Penny Bell, which we've talked about a lot. Those are two that pretty much, yeah, I, I think about quite a lot. Bethan? Um, I think it's not an unsolved crime, but I always get, I always remember and refer back to I can't even remember anybody's names, which makes me feel awful. But the crime where that guy, to get rid of CCTV evidence of him robbing another drug dealer, burned down a family's home, but didn't realise they'd come back from holiday early. And then the horrific twist was that actually the CCTV he was trying to destroy didn't even show him. It didn't cover that area in the first place. And it, it was just one of those things where you just have that feeling in your in your heart and your your stomach of just that that one fuck up can destroy lives and that's some that's that's one of the cases among the crimes that kind of comes back to me a lot and haunts me not because it's unsolved but just haunts me in general um but the unsolved crimes that keep me awake at night any that we talk about on this show because we do go in depth when we talk about them those names do stick in our head those cases do stick in our head the events even if you don't remember the name or where it took place but what happened to that person and it's just horrible the not knowing. I think any of our cases which are unsolved, yeah, just still still get to me. They definitely bother us, don't they? I was just trying to find that episode that you referred to there. I can't find it, but I I feel like it was a cautionary tale, something like that. I remember it, and it it really was a cautionary tale. So uh, okay, let's move on then to Claire Edinburgh. Uh, it's not like is it pronounced like Edinburgh? It's spelt differently, I think. But anyway. Edinburgh, uh, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Uh, so she just says, what part of Bristol do I live in? Uh, so I live in Stoke Gifford. If you're familiar with Bristol, then you'll know that. But I'm soon to move. So I'm moving to Stratford-upon-Avon very shortly. Uh, we also have Dooley Carey says, what do you guys do for a living when not podcasting? Uh, before we answer that, I'm going to cover off the first of today's show sponsors, actually. So, uh, Ooh, that- but before you do, can I tell you that I found the episode? Ah, go for it. So if it. anybody wants to listen. So it's season two, episode 17, A Fatal Plan. But you did put, join us this week as Bethan tells us a cautionary tale. But yeah, season two, episode 17, before we look at Dooley Carey's um, question, I just thought I'd quickly jump in and let you know that I've I found it. Thank you. So this episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix. If you thought personal stylists were reserved for the rich and famous, then it's time to think again. With Stitch Fix, you can enjoy the benefits of your very own personal stylist for just £10. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash red and take a fun style quiz. And then your personal stylist will hand select five items just for you in your colours, styles and your preferred budget. You pay a styling fee of just £10 each time you order and that is then deducted from the cost of anything that you keep. And if you keep all five items, you get 20% off the total, which is great. 
And have you ever felt, I feel like you probably have, Rude. Mark, have you ever felt like you've been stuck in a style rut? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have, yeah. I think as you age as well as you get older, you it's easy, isn't it, to almost lose your identity a little bit. And I, I definitely had periods of time when I'm dressing, uh, you can wear whatever you want, but I felt that I'm, I'm kind of trying to capture my youth and I'm, I'm sort of not dressing really right for my age. So I've definitely been in that rut. And I think coming out of lockdown and the pandemic as well, uh, it was a, it was different. We weren't going out as much. We weren't buying as many clothes. And you, yeah, I mean, I was living in like joggers and stuff. So you come out of that and think, what is my style? You do sort of think that, don't you? I'd like to say that I'm quite proud of myself that I still do not own a pair of jogging bottoms. Oh, <laughs> that is impossible, Bethan. You're you know, a mum of but two kids. However, I do love pyjamas, so I'll wear my pyjamas as much as I possibly could get away with. But no, I do not own a pair of jogging bottoms. I would not go out of the house in joggers. Isn't that bizarre? That is bizarre. I um, Have you ever been in a natural style rut, though? Because your, your life's changed a lot, hasn't it, over the last few years, having two kids as well? Yeah, I think a lot of my clothes that I would have worn before having children, because um, I like to wear a lot of dresses and I quite like a dress that hits the ground and that sort of thing. Suddenly you need to be able to get on the floor and crawl around after a baby or you need to be able to run around after a toddler and climb a tree and stuff. So for me, not necessarily a style rut, but just kind of making my my style change and adapt to my life now. I think that's kind of the thing for me. I only asked that question because obviously I've sort of seen some photos of you and it just looked like you were in a style rut. So, um, so perhaps <laughs> not then. You absolute bitch. Fuck <laughs> off, Mark. <laughs> right. So, um, so what but I know, I, I just love with Stitch Fix that, that they, like you said about the, the, um, no, I said about doing the style quiz. Actually, you can just put in information about yourself and what you do and don't like. And I think that's great. And you can also select, they give you some examples of outfits. Would you wear this? Would you not? Uh, what kind of colours do you go for? But So they'll, they'll take your preferences into account. They'll take your budget into account. But they will challenge you a little bit. And I think that's really important because when I've had my fix delivered, there will be some things in there that I would never have chosen. And it's a bit like when you go shopping with a friend and they're like, try this on. And you're like, nope, nope. And when they force you to, you put it on and you think, actually, this really suits me. Mm-hmm. I always find that's the case with with Stitch Fix. And these are proper stylists choosing the outfits for you. So I know you had yours uh, very recently, Beth. And so tell us a bit about your most recent fix. Well, I had, um, I've had a couple because I had one Stitch Fix come through where I only kept a couple of the items. And it wasn't that I didn't love, I didn't like the other items. It just they weren't really me so what I then did is I went and did loads more of those quizzes would you wear this would you wear that what do you think of this what do you think of that and then the next time that I had a stitch fix come through I actually kept all five items and um, you get 20% off the total if you order the five and what was interesting as well was one of them was an item it was a shirt like a blouse thing and I was kind of like oh I'm not really sure but actually I hope Stitch Fix don't mind me saying it was worth me getting all five because I ended up getting that blouse for free because of the 20% off thing yeah off the total which was amazing and now that blouse is actually one of my favorites and I've been wearing it to work so it's it's quite funny how I didn't really I wasn't 100% sold on it and then actually realized but I've only ever had one item and I've had maybe I'd say five or six different boxes, maybe six or seven. I've only ever had one item that didn't fit me Yeah. from the whole whole lot. And I think that's really impressive 
they they don't take too many much information from you but they take a decent chunk that they can really tailor that to you yeah i would say absolutely the fit is always spot on i've always found that um so i'll talk to you about my fix next time we talk about stitch fix but to get started today uh you just need to head to stitchfix.co.uk slash red and you get 20 percent off when you keep all five items that's stitchfix.co.uk slash red for 20% off when you keep all five items in your fix. stitchfix.co.uk slash red. Before the break, we had Julie Carey asking, what do you guys do for a living when you're not podcasting? Uh, I've lost all the questions, but uh, so I am a manager at an insurance company. I uh, manage a team of claims handlers uh, and yeah, in my spare time I, I do this. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at, there's another question. So Christina Corals asks, why is Mark always absent? And, <laughs> and, and, but it's true. I think I have been absent more in this season than any other season. Uh, so I just wanted to... I think to... so, but I do think that I was off for maternity leave twice for big chunks. And I do think overall, you've probably not had as much time off as me. But it's probably it's probably been a bit random, a bit more random. Yeah. yeah. So, so had, Mark, why are you so shit? Exactly. <laughs> do, you, well, do you tell us? I have had lots of holidays uh, just because they were booked throughout the pandemic and then obviously couldn't happen. So they all kind of happened in a short space of time. Then I had COVID. Then my mom wasn't very well. She's still not very well. She's in hospital. And I had a bit of a meltdown and needed a week off. And Bethan's great with stuff like that. So, um, but things are a bit calmer now. So I'm hoping to uh, be back, certainly for the rest of the year. But I think it's great when we get people collaborating with us in, in the other's absence. It, it just mixes the show up a little bit as well. I think um, you saying that actually reminded me, I can't really remember when it was, maybe about a year and a half ago. And both of us were just kind of feeling a bit overwhelmed. So we each just had a week where the other yeah. one just did the show on their own. And it just gave us that that week off each. And we just had it. And I think more now than ever before, people do talk about mental health as something so, so important. And actually, we used to be quite hard on ourselves. If we missed a week or we couldn't do something, we'd then almost put too much pressure on ourselves to rush to do something late into the night. You know, we'd sit there recording till 10, half 10 at night because we needed to get it done before the next... Actually, now we know that you guys, our listeners, for the most part... I know obviously a lot of you like to rib us about it, but you would understand, well, actually, okay, the episode's out two days later, gutted, but fine. And we used to really think that people would hate us, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I used, I mean, I remember someone said that, obviously they were joking, it was on Facebook. I think they said they'd cancelled attending a wedding because they were waiting for our latest episode <laughs> and then we didn't release it for a couple of days and they were like, well, that was a waste of time cancelling attending this <laughs> wedding. So uh, I'm sure they I were joking. That. I hope they were joking. Oh my God, imagine if they weren't. I know, uh, they perhaps need to get out and about a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think you're but right. But also the same with like when it's just a solo episode. I know people don't love it when it's just one of us. But it is what it is sometimes. Yeah, I think we, we our aim is to put out about 48 episodes a year by hook or by crook. So sometimes that means that it's a solo episode. Sometimes it means... <laughs> by hook or by 
crook. By hook or by crook. Uh, but it does. Sometimes it means it's solo. Sometimes it means it's with somebody else. Sometimes it means it's a couple of days late. Um, but that's our aim. And, um, and no one wants to hear the boring side of it. But it does take, I reckon, about 16 hours to produce one episode. A, a lot of the work is the research and the writing. Um, then we record, edit, blah blah And you're right, Beth, and we've definitely... I remember one New Year's Eve just working through past 12 o'clock, didn't even realise that um, I'd kind of missed that because I was just working on the show. And we do it because we love it, and we still love it, even after four years. So, um, so yeah, and I, I think actually this is perhaps a good time to talk about our second show sponsor, um, which is BetterHelp, because we talked a bit about mental health there. And I know we've both been really honest about that. So, um, so I just thought it's maybe a great time to bring those in. Oh, yeah, great idea. And that's because BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And we've both talked numerous times about how important this can be for people and it could help people and if you feel like it could help you you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours which is amazing it's that's not usually possible in the traditional method Mm -hmm. so I know I know it's a bit of a cliche but have you ever thought about how much more we look after something like our car than we do our own mind so we take our car for an MOT every year. That's almost like a, mm. a preventative, proactive measure that we take to check that it's roadworthy. We get it serviced. We get it fixed when it is broken. But can we honestly say that we do the same thing with our own mind? I, I don't think we can, can we? No, I really agree with you there. And I think that's such an interesting kind of metaphor for it. Because if you were, if you didn't take care of your car and you were left without a car, wow, you're going to really struggle getting to work, getting around, doing stuff. It might cost you money. It might cost things, you know, it's, it's a lot, but actually, yes, if you don't look after your mental health and you don't proactively look after yourself, well then, yeah, six months down the line, even less, maybe even more. It doesn't, I don't know. You could then be in a position where your mental health is like really, really struggling. You're really struggling with your mental health and then everything's affected at that point. I think this is a really good, I know you said it was a bit of a cliche. I don't mind that it was a cliche. I think it's a really good way to think of this. It is so true. Yeah. And it's, um, it is about being proactive where, where you can be. I've done that in the past. I've sought therapy, uh, not because I necessarily had a crisis, but just to talk through some stuff and, and work out how to handle some upcoming situations. So I'm still in therapy to this day and have been now solidly for over two years or nearly two years. So, um, we're both massive advocates and, um, I found that it really, really helps me. And it's quite normal now to have therapy that's online and via video chat. So better help was ahead of the game, really. And I've done a lot of that, a lot of therapy uh, via video chat. And actually, I was a bit apprehensive about it, but it works really well um, when you've got a connection with that therapist. It, it, it works for me just as well as it does face to face. So, um, so yeah, absolutely do have a look at BetterHelp and check them out. I think I found with you, I hope you don't mind me saying that I've seen a real shift in you since we've known each other a very long time. And actually, if we think, if I think back to when I first met you, you would allow things to kind of build up and then it would all be a massive issue at the time. And you wouldn't have almost tried to deal with things potentially that were coming up. You'd bury your head in the sand a little bit and, and then things would happen, which of course anybody's going to be affected by. 
it would all be all on top of you and you wouldn't have shared that burden with anybody. You wouldn't have opened up about it. Mm. Whereas now you're so much more open. You're so much more able to talk about things and you can tell that that is because of your experiences with therapy. Yeah. And a huge amount, like less amount of anxiety. I always used to really struggle Mm. with that and and therapy has helped me overcome that. So our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash red. And that's better, the word better, and then H-E-L-P.com slash red. So do have a look at them. So another question, which I thought was great, and I'm going to ask you because you did this, is Catherine Kirby 21 said, how did you come up with the name Seeing Red? And that was your your coming up with the name. So you go ahead and tell the listeners. Yeah, so I, I thought it was a really good fit for a true crime podcast because we cover a lot of cases where people literally see red. Bethan once witnessed me see red in our car park mm-hmm. at work and she's like, what the fuck just happened there? Didn't really. Ooh, Mark's grown some balls. Like, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, fuck me. It was amazing. It, but it was weird. It was sometimes you can't it really. It was unnerving. Yeah, at 100%. You can't really see how you might react in a particular situation. And even the most normal people might uh, just flip out and, and do something that they later regret, which fortunately I, I didn't do anything physical. I, I like to think I wouldn't do that, but who knows? Um, and then I, I was watching a show called The Comeback with Lisa Kudrow in, and um, she's in a. She in the season two, she goes into a sitcom called Seeing Red, and I just stole it from there basically because I liked the sound of it. So, so yeah, it was kind of fitting, but mostly I stole it from the comeback season two. Uh, it's like a show within a show. Um, there. Um, X Jade Williams X asks, "What's your favourite thing about doing the podcast? Love listening to you guys. Thank you, Jade. Bethan, what's your favourite thing about doing the podcast?" Hmm. Listening to you tell me about a crime and a case still to this day, that's why we started this because we used to just share information with each other and, and tell each other about stuff. And, and when you cover a case that I don't know or I don't know much about, that's still my favourite thing. I, I am inherently a podcast listener. And so that's my favourite bit is, is actually listening to you tell me about a case. Yeah. How about you? Um... I, I totally get that. Yeah, it it sort of goes right back to our roots and that's why we started this and we're still doing it. So yeah, I definitely enjoy that. We've just recorded our Patreon bonus episode for July and I felt the exact same when you were telling me about that case. It was fascinating. Lots of twists and turns. So loved it. Um, I love um, I love interacting with our audience as well. We have lots of people that we've been talking to for years that message us on different platforms and, and we actually get to know them and we've met some of you at CrimeCon as well, which was fantastic. Uh, so I love that getting to, because I'm not actually that social a person, that sociable a person. I'm quite introverted. It was out of your comfort zone, wasn't it, to do things like CrimeCon and meet people? Yeah. But it was, um, that was just, it was honestly great to do that. And I don't have a lot of friends. So, uh, chatting to you guys, uh, I really genuinely do enjoy it and sort of meeting new people. Um, what I enjoy most about the whole thing though, I have to be honest, is Crime Wave, which is our sort of mini podcast over on Patreon. Mm. And I'm not just saying that to say it's on Patreon, get over there and sign up and <laughs> listen to it. Do that or don't do that. Whatever. There's cost of living crisis. It's hard for a lot of people, but I, you know, that really takes me back to those days that we had when we worked together and we would spend a whole lunch break chatting about a particular case that was quite topical at that time and we talked a lot before about different people that we we would incorporate into that like Sarah at work who you know just loved it as much as we did um 
so I, I really uh, I missed that that more informal style to telling each other about crimes. Um, and I, I was pleased that we could uh, revisit that with Crime Wave and we continue to revisit that. So that's my absolute favourite thing, I think. Um, Arian Hutch 4606 says, have you ever recorded an episode that you weren't happy with and didn't upload? Yes. Um, normally because of a technical issue, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we had one, didn't we, where we'd recorded, I think like three quarters of the episode and then realized something had gone wrong and we had to start right from the beginning again and yeah. um that was a little bit awkward because some of the ad libs and like the comments we'd made it was a bit awkward then to try and keep it sounding as if it was new and light rather than we've already done this all before yeah but it doesn't touch wood doesn't happen very often and i don't think we've then not not released the episode entirely we've just had to kind of redo some of it there's certainly nothing I've ever we've ever recorded and released that I've had second thoughts about. We've had some negative feedback about some episodes from people that are involved in those cases with their opinions on it, not fact. And I think as much as they're entitled to their opinion, so are we. And I've been quite happy to keep those. We had somebody challenge the Wadsworth Wadsworth episode. They were a couple of regional TV presenters in the UK who were sexually abusing teenage boys and somebody got in touch and asked if we could take that down because they said that I didn't sensitively handle that case and that was in season two I've Mm. learned a lot since then I think it's difficult when people have comments about stuff that then make us doubt whether or not we should have said something and we quite often have to have those conversations of we could have been more sensitive but equally it was our opinion or we could have been more sensitive so fair enough next time we will do we reference it in a in a later episode and say, do you know what? Fair enough. Oh, I I have thought though actually, did we did get rid of because I'd messed up and did a case from Ireland. Elena, sorry to completely jump in. We then re-recorded once we were no longer UK only. Yes, because we, we did. felt like the case was still really important to share. However, people were so angry at us that I'd made such a stupid mistake in like not even thinking about where I was. A geographical and mistake, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did take that down and re-recorded. And we, we've had other ones. But yeah, I mean, I, I never... Other, I think that's it. We've never taken anything down other than that. And that was a, a sort of simple mistake, but it was offensive. Fair enough. We took it down. We re-recorded. Um, everything else I stand by and we've been on a journey. So it's... Uh, we've probably matured with the show but my ego is not so big that I would never take an episode down if if we absolutely had to take it down of course we would so yeah um UK underscore crime scene said who is the worst serial killer uh I thought I thought about this one I think my answer to it might change dependent on when I'm asked it but right now I would say Harold Shipman because of the sheer volume of victims that there were Another time you might ask me and I might say the Wests because I think it's sort of little reported about them that the nature of the killings were actually really, uh, really brutal. There was a lot of torture as well. And unless you've read all the books, you might not know that. Mm, So in, in terms of the depravity, they were worse. But in terms of sheer volume, it's Shipman for me. But they're all terrible, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think you can necessarily have a worse or... Or like, you know, saying someone's worse than someone else. I just think, yeah, I just think um, for me, it's anybody that's within a position in the community where you just don't expect it. 
for me sits really badly with me. So Shipman, for example, these people are going to him, trusting them with trusting him with their health and their lives. Um, someone like John Wayne Gacy, a pillar of the community, doing children's parties. But then you find out what he's doing to all the young men behind the scenes. It's things like that. Ted Bundy, when he'd pretend to be this charming, nice person and pretend to have a broken arm or leg or something and try and get people to help him out and things like that. It's, it's that side of things that freaks me out the most. But I just can't think of who I would say would be the worst, I'll be honest. I... I just don't really know. We don't really tend to cover things, serial no. killers and stuff on the show very much, do we? And I, I tend to f- avoid it because they're too too much involved and there's going to be a lot to go on the episode. You might need to do like six, eight parts and that's mm. a lot of work. And we kind of prefer variety and we also, we try and cover as many cases as we can that aren't as, as covered elsewhere. And serial yeah. killer cases tend to be covered widely. I think if it, if there was a Manchester canal pusher that that that, that was fa- fantastic uh, episode that you did bethan a two-parter if that was true if there was a, a canal pusher in manchester i would say if that was true i would say they are the worst serial killer because i think it's really yeah. cool what they they are doing if that's true pushing people in watching them die watching them try to get out of the canal and then put their foot over their fingers and break their fingers to prevent them from getting out all of that is just horrible so Maybe that would be the worst, but we don't know if there is a killer. We don't really think there is, do we? I think we discussed it not long ago. Mm, yeah, I think this is it. I think you're possibly right with the with Fred and Rose West, the taking in girls who were vulnerable and actually had nobody to report the missing because the people who would report the missing knew that they'd gone off to go travel travel to somewhere else, and especially in that era. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think we can say necessarily. So friend of the show, Toria Melissa asks, best thing about growing up in the 90s? She says, one for you, Mark, because I'm not sure how old Bethan is. I like that she thinks I'm young. I was was born in the 80s, very late in the 80s, but um, did grow up in the 90s. So I can just about answer it, even though apparently I sound very young, which is nice. Or unless she means I sound really old. Maybe she means I sound old. Maybe you grew up in the 80s. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh dear. Uh, I'd have loved to have grown up in the 80s. I kind of did a bit, but not really. So mm. for, what was it for you then, Beth, in the 90s? What made them amazing? When I think back to the 90s, the thing that really stands out for me um, was the music side of things. So I went to my first ever concert when I was like seven or eight something like that and it was the Spice Girls at the Birmingham NEC and it was incredible and I just remember a lot of like learning dance routines learning the lyrics from inside the CD case of the fold-out thingy or the tape case the fold-out like paper thing um so I and I'd also always get a tape like a blank tape and record all my favorite songs off the radio and that yeah whether that's just like a childhood thing or not I feel like nowadays there's just too much technology and I think we grew up in a really sweet spot where we had some technology, but not very, not too much. And we didn't have all this social media stuff as children. It kind of kicked in when we were like teenagers or in our twenties. I think that's nicer. But yeah, for me, a lot of music, a lot of fun music. How yeah. about you? Yeah, I, I agree about that. I think a lack of technology, what it didn't intrude on on your life. 
back then. So I think that was an amazing thing. Um, I think, yeah, it was just, I personally think the 90s was the last proper decade where the good times rolled. And I, without sounding really negative, I think for the last 15, 16 years, it's been really tough uh in this country in this world and i remember the 90s really fondly it could just be because i was a kid uh but yeah i remember it really fondly as you do perhaps of of those sort of times um i remember shell suits and i had an amazing shell suit so i'd have to say that was probably the best thing Uh, i basically (laughs) lived in that shell suit for a good year and if anyone knows where i can get a shell suit now let me know because i i want one i'm bringing them back I'm bringing sexy back. Mm, um, I'm going to say nothing. But when I think about the fashions from then, one of the things I absolutely loved, I used to have some platform trainers, which were just like brightly coloured trainers that had probably like four inches just stuck on the yeah. bottom. They were awful. Twinned like how the hell are you supposed jeans. to walk in them? And then my trousers, there's a, there's a whole selection of photos for an entire year of my life where I stand side on because they were Adidas, like ones with like a line, like the two lines or three lines down the side, but they were poppers as well. So you could like undo them all the way up to the top and Sporty Spice wore them. So when someone gave me some in a bo- in a bag of hand-me-downs, I was so buzzing and every photograph, it's hilarious. Every picture I'm stood side on, like with my leg on the side <laughs> so you can see them. I, I <laughs> so remember cute. clothes were so baggy in the 90s as well. It's so different now. But yeah, I, I think they were a great decade. Uh, it was a great decade to grow, it, grow up in. If you grew up in the 90s, please, uh, please let us know what the best thing was for you. Uh, I recently watched a TV programme which was... Um, people talking about the 90s it was off the back of the queen no it wasn't it was about talking about the queen through the years because it was on the back of her jubilee but one of the program episodes was all about the 90s kind of obviously because she's gone through seven decades yeah and um yeah that was quite interesting it was really fun watching all these things about top of the pops and um the different things that were happening but then equally a lot of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes with the political side of things that you maybe just see that back with rose tinted glasses and you kind of forget that there was a lot of other shit going on. Yeah, there would have been. Yeah. And we, we, yeah, I mean, loads of shit went down, but I I suppose you do just try and focus on the good things, but yeah, I think it was a a really good Mm -hmm. decade. So she always asks, uh, she also asks, what's our dream career? She always asks. Always fucking asks me that. (laughs) Fuck off, Toria. Uh, For me, it would it would genuinely be doing this full time. I would love to do that. I really enjoy doing it. So to have a job that you genuinely enjoy that is like the dream, isn't it? So I would say doing this. Yeah, I think for me the same. Um, But with more, I'd like to do more shows and events where we meet people that side of things as well. But yeah. To do what you love is, they say, don't you? If you if you do what you love, you won't work a day in your life or something like that. So that's quite. Yeah. Um, so and true. if you could have one one crime solved, I guess that's very similar to a question earlier. But could you pick one? I know I couldn't choose one crime to have solved. Um, I don't think I. Well, I could because if it was one or none, I would pick one. Uh, it would be, I just don't know. It would probably be some of the different reconstructions I've watched on vintage crime watch episodes where it's an unsolved, like, murder in the UK. It would be a murder. It would be perhaps something like Debbie Lindsley, Penny Bell, maybe Claudia Lawrence. I think those are the ones that really spring to mind for me where there's a, and also the Al Hilly family massacre, 
which happened in the French Alps, I'd say one of those four would be my absolute go-tos that I would really just want to know uh, the answer to that. I'd really like to know, purely because it's still in my mind from being very recent, but Chambonnet Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. Would be interesting to find out more. But then I would hate to just choose her over any of the other children that we've talked about and that also have not been found or yeah. not had their murders solved. So it's hard, isn't it? And without sounding frivolous, Daisy Ann and Harrod, I'm hoping I've pronounced that properly, says, would you like to know who Jack the Ripper was or for it to remain a mystery? So... um Without sounding, oh yeah, I really want to know who Jack yeah. the Ripper is. However, like I have to say that with these things, they are mysteries, and it's a bit like a magic trick. You see it performed, you're desperate to know how how they've made that happen. If you then find out and they explain how that's happened, you get this huge moment of elation and satisfaction, then followed by a real sort of disappointment. And um, so I, I kind of feel that with things like Jack the Ripper and some of these other unsolved murders that we've talked about, I think, yeah, obviously there's a huge amount of satisfaction to be derived from finding the answer. And I'm not saying you, you then are dissatisfied afterwards because it's great that you'd know the answer, but you'd never look at those crimes in the same way again, or you might beat yourself up and think like, yeah, of course it was that person or... I don't know, like, I don't think a lot of them would ever be that shocking either. I think it would be with things like uh, murders like Debbie Lindsley, Penny Bell, it was most likely, it's most likely a name that we will know, uh, a, a killer that was active at that time that is a served time for other murders that were pinned on them. So I don't think it would actually be that shocking with some of them. But Jack the Ripper, yeah, I'd love to know. But I'd- I think as well, the other side of it is that with something like Jack the Ripper, the person, the perpetrator is long gone. Whereas there could well still be justice for yeah. Debbie or Penny's killer, uh, for their family of their killer being prosecuted. And when we looked at the Golden State killer a little while ago, actually for those victims to be able to stand there in court and look at him and say, you did this to me, it doesn't even matter that those cases weren't being part of the main trial. It didn't even matter that they he wasn't going to get convicted of them because of the statute of limitations. It meant something for those people to look him dead in the eye and say, I'm not scared of you anymore. You're nothing to me. And so with a case that is in living memory, you'd at least get more satisfaction for people and potentially somebody's mum um you would still have that for them you could still hold that for them whereas with jack the ripper you're looking at so long ago really who apart from in just generally knowing about the case who is now still affected i i don't know Mm. i might be completely wrong and someone might actually get in touch with the show and say my great 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 grandmother was a, a victim or something but it just feels that more detached yeah and even if someone did get in touch saying that i'd be like get over it it's your great 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 grandmother you didn't know them uh yeah and so tori and melissa also said what's your next vacay destination that's one for you isn't it because i'm not going on holiday (laughs) no it's it's not because i don't have one because i've all holidayed out and there's a cost of living crisis going on don't you know so that ain't happening now uh yeah unfortunately and same for you bethan nothing planned not off to Jamaica no, no again. No holidays planned. 
not until the girls are a lot bigger because I just don't want to waste it on them. Can you imagine spending that much money to go somewhere as amazing as that and then they don't, they just don't get it. With they those ungrateful little shits. Yeah, forget it. Yeah, and I do understand like a lot of people do take their babies and toddlers on holiday and it is a wonderful experience for them. But for me personally, I'd much rather wait until they're that little... I think Bella's probably a perfect age to enjoy a holiday, but Evie's not yet. So yeah. I just want them both to be at least three years old. So Bella would have to be four five I don't know I can't remember how old they are but basically <laughs> I think not for a little while but it gives me some time to save up some money as well after being on maternity for a few years in a row yeah exactly uh so Toria underscore lag Richie says so we'll just do a couple of final questions now so she said do you guys have any plans to grow seeing red absolutely love listening uh thank you and yes we do actually we've got some exciting plans uh we we um yeah, I just think we want to make the show as good as it can possibly be. And we have sort of done everything we possibly can to to grow the show and to make it as good as it can possibly be. There's still a way to go. And that's why we're um, basically getting support from a studio, professional studio that mm. will help us on that journey. So really ex- exciting times ahead for us, hopefully. Yeah, we want to try and do some more live recordings. That was really good fun. And maybe some shows where we meet and greet people, as well as seeing where we can kind of go further with this. Yeah, and we, we just enjoy it so much. So we want to carry on doing it and we want to diversify a little bit with it. So um, so yeah, watch this space. But yeah, we absolutely do. But just not for the sake of it or for vanity or anything like that, just to ensure the um sustainability really of the show and to just keep it sort of um relevant i suppose because we've been going for four years so um so yeah i think one thing we'd probably do is come out and ask you for feedback on what you like about the show and what you don't like and we've never done that we've looked at reviews but we've never done proper kind of research to see what direction to take the show in if we need to um so we've just gone blind really I want to ask one of the questions because I don't know if it's what you're going to go for, but I want to ask because we've got a few more here that we're not going to get to. But 86 Kate says the most it. annoying thing the other one does during recording. And I want to know what you hate about me. It's I've probably got more perspective on this because I'll edit the episodes up and I, yeah. you sort of forensically mm-hmm. go through the whole track. Can I guess what it is that I do that's yeah. annoying? Constantly moving around and making noise. Oh my God. I mean, there's a few things to be fair. Number one probably oh, is no. that. So Bethan doesn't quite understand the concept of a microphone and how it works. I do. So do. I just this also can't and say so. This and she'll like knocking it and stuff. And I'm like... Not I'm, on purpose. I know, but I'm like, you need to just stay still, not move <laughs> to get it right. So, I'll, And then like you will, sometimes you'll like have eaten something and I can actually then hear an increase in saliva in your mouth in how you speak. I can even hear things That's like that disgusting. when I edit. It's disgusting. Uh, I know Adam hates that when he edits his own show. He can sort of hear that in his voice sometimes he says so he's always really careful about what he drinks when he records um sometimes you have long gaps so you'll say something and then you'll leave a gap that long and then I sort of go in to fill it and then you'll start talking so I just kind of edit my bit out then where I've sort of looked like I've interrupted you but it, these are all normal things so uh and I'm sure <laughs> there's a lot I do so what what annoys you most about me when we record I hadn't really thought about it. I haven't, I've been trying to think. Um, it's not annoying, but I do hate it when you get stumbling over your words because I feel like it then just gets worse and worse and worse. And we end up just going round and round and round. And I just have to kind of sometimes go, 
just go for it just say it just stop just come because <laughs> it's so hard but that's not like annoying that's just I feel bad for you did you know I'm um, dyslexic does that make it I did not no, know I'm you're not. dyslexic no I'm lying uh, I, just I was gonna to... say I'm pretty sure I would I'm have known dyslexic. you were dyslexic I wanted to make you feel bad and say that was why <laughs> it's not that at all um so no yeah I really fuck up lines a lot and I'm a bit of a perfectionist so like Bethan will fuck it up and just carry yeah. on a bit and I can't do that I have to retake it and sometimes I just yeah the more I fuck it up the more I fuck it up mm-hmm. and, Bethan, and the more you think about it yeah it just gets in your head and then there's some words I just then can't say and it's yeah so some it's really weird then because I'll edit it all up and get it to sound pretty good and then sometimes I'll have because we like might be laughing about it I then the final time when I get the line right starts with me almost like with a big smile on my face and you can hear that and I'm saying and then her brutal murder happened kind of thing and we're kind of like giggling and don't mean to be at all um but yeah it's uh I definitely fuck up the lines a lot if you were editing Beth and you'd that would drive you insane, I think. So I think the um the fact that we record separately now, as opposed to when we used to record together, must make things slightly easier with that side of things. That you can at least get rid of me having a giggle in the back, like try, and I don't have to try and stop myself as much because you can just get rid of that little bit. Whereas when we were recording together, we'd both have to be like, right, stop, let's like not make any noise, and now I'm going to go for it, and it just makes it harder to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll move on to our final question then. So, this Ooh, is what are you going to do for the final one? Daisy Ann Harrod, uh, mm-hmm. and Bethan would totally have pronounced that Daisy Ang Harrod. Uh, no, Ang Harrod. Ch- yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I taught you that name about three weeks ago, Matt. Oh, I did. Okay, I'm being harsh. So she <laughs> also asked, "Would you rather be a detective or a forensic scientist?" I think I know what you'd rather be, Bethan. Oh, okay. What do you think I'm going to say? I think forensic scientist. No, I'd rather be a detective. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather be a detective because I feel like you've got a bit more scope to do what you want, whereas a forensic scientist, you're very rigid and like specific about stuff. I'm just not... Yeah, I'd be the same. I'm not logical. I don't have a logical brain. So I think a detective... I'd In a former life, or if I could have gone back in time, that's I'd have gone into the police... And um, ideally worked my way up to that. I'd have loved to have been a detective running sort of murder investigation team. Um, that would be would be my ideal job. Uh, but I sort of think like with the police, you kind of need to get in quite young and build your way up. I could go in now, but I'd want to start like as a bit of a bobby on the beat and work my way up. And by the time I'd done that, I'd be like 50 and wanting to retire soon. So, yeah, I would love to have been that though, a detective that would have been fun i think i would until i had a really evil person in front of me and i'm trying to um ask them questions and they're trying to intimidate me and then i'd be like oh i'm scared so in theory though you know like in that sort of fantasy land you sort of think yeah i'd love to have done that and i'd have been a great detective i'd have been really shit and wouldn't have stuck at it but i like to think that i could have done that in a different life um so yeah who knows so thank you uh, thank you for listening thank you to everybody who submitted questions yeah thank you very much guys i hope you found it interesting i thought when i uh, was planning this i thought it's a bit like uh when i i watch all the reruns of the golden girls and it's a bit like when i go to watch an episode of the golden girls and then see that they're just doing like a fucking rehash episode where they're like it looks like it's a new episode and then they just talk about a previous shit that's gone down in different episodes so i hope it's not been disappointing like that i hope you found out <laughs> some interesting imagine? stuff oh, no. yeah. if we lose all of our listeners now because of this 
Yeah, because you're lazy and you've done a rehash uh, rather than research and write an episode. Mm. So, um, but yeah, hopefully it's a little bit different. We probably won't do it again on the main channel, but we just wanted to give everybody the option to uh, hear this kind of episode once. And uh, we'll be back to normal business for our season finale next week, uh, which will be uh, Beth and you'll be doing that, I think, won't you? Oh, will I? Well, no, I will. I will. Um, and then we are coming back to with season eight. And I know I've not really planned what I'm covering yet, but I know that we've got Gary Glitter. You're going to be covering that early on, aren't you? Yeah, that is in the pipeline. Yeah. So uh, so thank you for listening and we will see you next week for the season finale. So we'll see you see then. See you then, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.